Welcome to the Nun Report, bringing your regular dose of truth, freedom, and weirdness with your host, Dan Nunn. Thanks for tuning in today to the Nun Report. We're going to cover, we're going to do, do an update on the Israeli war that's going on with Hamas and how that could extend and the geopolitical ramifications of different scenarios of that. Of course, we're going to look at that. So we'll have an update on that. I want to get some information that we haven't had before because there's more now. There's reporters on the ground. There's new casters on the ground. So we're going to cover a lot of that. I'm also going to look at the absence of Joe Biden. Where is Joe, basically? Because he came out Saturday and said something, and, and for 72 hours, he's been in radio silence. They're saying because he was interviewing with special counsel, that's a really good cover. He came out today, gave a statement of prepared remarks, and then exited the room, shuffled out like he does in his dementia days without answering any questions at all of the media. And then I want to look specifically more at our own border because we're talking, it seems like we're talking so much about other people's border, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's Israel and 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 Gaza, that we forget we have a very serious crisis going on at our own border. And this just shows, this amplifies how serious the problem really is. And so I want to take a real look at what is our exposure and what is the potential of terrorist cells being active right now in the United States just waiting for their orders to wreak havoc on a populace that is ill-prepared at all? Look at what's going on in Israel. Look at how Hamas came in and killed innocent civilians, families, babies, women, raped them. Now imagine that happening in your neighborhood. Are you prepared for that? I think you need to be. I think we need to be prepared for that. Because after the border's been wide open for a couple of years and the number of of uh, people on the terrorist watch list that they've caught, they said, oh, look, we've caught so many. Yeah, because you're letting hundreds of thousands of people a month in. Imagine how many have gotten away. There are a lot of gotaways, up to 1.2 million in the last two and a half years since Biden took office. And there's also the special interest aliens, the SIAs, which is a completely different category. These are people who are from countries that have travel patterns that match those of terrorists. We're talking potentially hundreds of thousands of those that have entered the United States. Over 99% of the people that have come to the border seeking asylum have been allowed in. Only 1% have been turned back. So regardless of what the Biden administration tells you, oh yeah, we're only letting those with, you know, real, we're turning, we're sending a lot back. Bullshit. They're not sending anybody back. They're letting nearly everybody in. So first an update on what's going on in Israel. I want to touch on something that I don't think a lot of Americans understand. We, especially America first patriots. I mean, we're, we say we're patriots. We say we're America first and all that, you know, but do we really know what that's like, because in Israel, the reserve this, the reserve corps is everybody. You see, they live in a reality where they're under threat at any time for an attack like what happened late Saturday night, and they live under that threat all the time. They live under threat of bombs being lobbed at them from Hezbollah and from Hamas, from whoever their enemies are. This is, a, this is a daily life for them. Terrorist attacks on their own territory, people with suicide vests, people killing people. This is reality for them. 
And they are a people that are extremely proud, a people that had no nation, a people that Hitler tried to exterminate, and a people that are very godly and have a biblical background. And so, you see, they're, they're at a level of patriotism that I think makes most Americans look shameful. Because really, when their reservists come up, they're just everyday people. One day they were living their life with their significant others, going to clubs, hanging out with their friends, having dinner with their families. And the next, a bunch of demon radicals called Hamas, controlled by Iran, decide to come in and kill hundreds of innocents, including babies. We're going to cover that as, as, as horrific. And they just have a call to duty, and they go and do it. This young man, pictured with his girlfriend, he's going off to fight for his country. He doesn't know if he'll live or not. This young man, too, called up, going off. And they, these, are, these are thousands, hundreds of thousands, up to 300,000 reserves are being called up. Three young ladies, because, you know, women fight over there, too. And they fight. They're not just support roles. They're actually on the front lines fighting. And then you have this guy, a 95-year-old man, volunteered to the reserves to fight for his nation. And I think that most people just don't understand or comprehend. I mean, would we do that here? Really? If America was under attack, would the majority of Americans voluntarily pick up arms and go to war? Would you go to the front lines? Would you go and risk your life for this country? It's a serious question. It requires some serious thought. And if your answer is no, and, and sadly, I think that a large majority would just say no. And then you have a government that's trying to disarm everybody so that even if we were to come under terrorist attack, or enemy attack. We have no means to defend ourselves. Fortunately, fortunately, that has not been full, fully taken away yet. But we need to be prepared. And I talked about that a lot yesterday. Some updates here from, from the front on uh, between Israel and Gaza and the truly horrific things that are going on on the ground. Prepare yourselves. If you have not heard these reports yet, then... They're going to be very, uh, very disturbing. You can see the the reporters having a hard time keeping herself together. If, if and and for those of you who are getting your information from mainstream media, you're getting just a glimpse, and most of it's tarnished, and most of it is being an apologist basically for for terrorists, saying they support Palestine when in fact that you know that's to, that, that equals supporting terrorism, supporting rape and torture and slaughter of women and children. Because, you know, if Palestine, if Palestinians are so peaceful, if they're so wonderful and, and great, then they should be able to stop the radical fringe that's among them. But they don't. 
So I keep hearing about, you know, oh, the Palestinians are peaceful and they're great people. They just want to exist, man. They're being occupied and blah, 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 fucking blah. And while I'm sure there's a portion of that that's true, then why aren't they doing something about it? Just like the, just like Islam. It, oh, if Islam is a, is a religion of peace, and you know what? Most Muslims are peaceful. They don't agree with all the radical Islamists. Then why don't you fucking do something about it? Why do you let them dictate the narrative and go around causing havoc and, causing, and, and being terrorists and killing people? And causing wars. If, 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 if being a Muslim and an Islamic person, if that's a religion of peace, and supposedly the majority of you are peaceful and don't agree with the radicals within your element, it's up to you to get them out. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't speak out against it, if you don't get the filth out of your element, if you don't get the demons out, then I can only conclude one thing, and that's that you silently support them. Anyway, got a little ahead of myself. Let's see what's going on on the ground there. Like I said, prepare yourselves. Because they want us to see exactly what's happening and what they've been witnessing with their own eyes for these past three days. Many of them coming here Saturday night, and they knew that no other soldiers had been here yet. And so they kind of knew uh, an idea of, of what was happening, but but they, no one could expect that it would be like this. The horrors that I'm hearing from these these soldiers, uh, as I, as I mentioned earlier, about 40 babies at least were were taken out on gurneys. Still, right now they're going house to house, uh, still evacuating dead bodies, Nicole, killed Israeli citizens uh, who I, were killed I had to cut in inside such their a, home. Such a shocking, jarring statement there. And just for our viewers, we're in a new hour here on the broadcast who, who very likely weren't with us last hour to understand that you've come in there to find this small community littered with the dead and slaughtered bodies of, of Israeli civilians primarily, and you're saying 40 babies, dead babies. That is what one of the commanders told me. Uh, and you continue to see just uh, cribs overturned, strollers left behind, all of these doors wide open. He said, we don't know the exact number of casualties because they're still collecting dead bodies. 40 babies. So this is a community a quarter mile away from the, the fence along Gaza, up to 70 Hamas, demons, savages, animals came into this, this village and just slaughtered at will. And the Israeli defense forces finally came in and eradicated them, got rid of the, the cancer, killed most of them, thankfully. But what was left behind was a horror story beyond what most people could even comprehend, including the soldiers that were there. Here's another clip. David, it's hard to even explain exactly just the mass casualties that happened right here. In fact, the Israeli military says they still don't have a clear number, but I'm talking to some of the soldiers and they say what they've witnessed as they've been walking through these different houses, these different communities, uh, babies, their heads cut off. That's what they said. 
gunned down, families completely gunned down in their beds. You can see some of these soldiers right now comforting each other. Many of them reserves uh, who jumped into action, leaving their own families behind as well, not knowing the sheer horror that they were about to come to. They say they've never experienced anything like this. This is nothing that anyone could have even imagined. Can you imagine that? Babies with their heads cut off? Women and children being raped, burned alive? You know, if you don't... If you don't... Uh, if you're on social media, and, and uh, I touched on this earlier, and that's where you're getting most of your information, um, you're not going to see a lot of this on the legacy news outlets. You're not even going to, if your primary form of, of information is Facebook, you know, fascist book, you're not going to get a lot of information there. They're going to censor most of the information out. But I think it's important that you see the atrocities that are going on, that you see what's going on on the ground. And it's horrific. I would encourage you to go to X, to Truth Social, uh, Telegram. If you're if you're down, it's different. If you're if you're if you're really just used to using Facebook and and the interface there, going directly to Telegram is going to be a huge leap. But there's some amazing, well, not amazing, but you're going to find a lot of real raw video and information there. But I think it's important you see what's going on there because by seeing what's going on there. Maybe you can understand that with the open border that we have, that Biden has allowed and in fact encouraged, that we are one step away from the very same type of things happening in our communities, inside of our borders. And we're going to cover a lot about that today. But this is what we're facing. If this is a religion of peace, if, if Islam is a religion of peace and most Muslims are just peace-loving people that don't agree with the radicals in their, in their ranks, like I said, do something about it. You saying you're peaceful doesn't mean shit to me. If all you do is sit there and watch these animals commit the atrocities that they do. Got it? You can practice your religion. I don't care about your religion. I don't care about your God. But when you don't step up and speak out against those that are supposedly perverting your religion, according to you, then you're complicit. You have condoned it. You are allowing it. And secretly, I think you support it. And if, if I'm full of shit, if that's not true, like I said, then speak out. Then do something. Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch it fucking happen. Here's your religion of peace. Allahumma alayka biyahud, shulla arkanahum, wadammir kayanahum, Allahumma makinna min riqab yahud, Allahumma makinna min riqab yahud. Falakad iqtarab yawma, 
فلقد اقترب يوم ذبحكم وصالكم والقضاء عليكم حتى لا يبقى يهودي ولا صهيوني على وجه هذه الارض عقيدتنا في قتالكم اننا سنبيدكم على بكرة ابيكم ولن نبقي منكم احدا تلوهم حيث ثقفتموه ما فيش بنعرفش حدد وين ما بنستطيع سنقاوم التي يتبر فيها ملكهم ويباد فيها ابناؤهم اللهم عليك باليهود ومن والاهم اللهم عليك بالامريكان ومن والاهم اللهم احصهم عددا واقتلهم بددا ولا تغادر منهم احدا So there you go. There's a little super clip of your religion of peace. Kill them where you find them. Every last one of them. All the Jews, all the Americans. Kill them all. So excuse me. If I don't have a lot of empathy or sympathy for the Palestinians and the Muslims that sit back and do nothing while the radical fringe that represent them spew out bullshit like that and promote bullshit like that and wreak death and havoc and horrors on innocent people. Now, I'm not for, like some, wiping them off the map or going to war with Iran or whatever the hell they want to do. And we're going to talk about that. I mentioned looking at uh, X for some of your information. You also need to be careful on outlets like that. This is a screenshot of a tweet that's been making its rounds around the social medias. And this, this person, now what this tweet says, there may be some truth to it. I don't know. There are lots of people saying that people knew, but there's no, there's no evidence out there. Regardless, this particular account on Twitter is a terrorist and Hamas sympathizer. He's an extreme radical who has done nothing but propagandize every single minute of every day, 24 hours a day, since Hamas attacked Israel. I don't know how to pronounce it, Suleiman Ahmad, but he's a radical extremist. Go look at his Twitter feed or X-Feed, whatever you call it nowadays. And uh, so just be aware. When this, when this stuff comes out, take it for what it is, which is mostly a pile of shit. I wouldn't trust anything this guy says further than I can throw him. So again, uh, he, he's verified on Twitter, Suleiman Ahmad, Ahmed, whatever the hell his name is, um, He's a propagandist and a terrorist and Hamas sympathizer slash apologist. So just beware. There are accounts out there that you really want to steer, steer away from or just take a look at them knowing what they are and, uh, and then, t- you know, it, it, taking it in that light when you absorb it, right? All right. The White House had this to say. This is, this is absolutely disgusting. This is uh, the fact that I mean, these, this, is, this Biden White House is complete clown show, complete amateur hour, complete absolute jerk-offs and poor excuses for human beings. Every one of them. Thank you. Jake, will you support in Israel? Jake Trapp, Jesus. 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 Jake Trapp, Jesus
how can you make sure that Israel goes uh, after Hamas and in its infrastructure in Gaza? Not two million Palestinians who are trapped with no water, with no electricity, with no medical supply. The UN schools are overflow now. Their, the number of dead is reaching 850 so far, including six members of one family of the former ambassador to Washington. How can you make sure that this is not revenge, but actually going after Hamas, who committed this horrible crime? Well, as the president said today, the difference between countries like the United States and Israel is that we do not deliberately target civilians. We are strongest when we are committed to the rule of law, and we work. Really? Really? Is that what Biden did when he targeted so-called massive terrorists in Afghanistan and it turned out to be an innocent family with their children traveling down the fucking road? Unlike Israel, that's his response. That's his response to that question. Unlike Israel, America doesn't target civilians. What the fuck is that? You're talking about an ally. You're talking about a country we supposedly support. And you start out a statement by throwing them under the bus like that? Are you kidding me? God, these people are idiots. So detached and unaware of any reality outside of their own fucking bubble. You know, the, you know what the difference is? Here's the difference. You want peace in the Middle East? You want peace between Israel and the Palestinians? Hamas lays down their arms. That's right. Because if Hamas lays down their arms, there will be peace. If Israel laid down their arms, every man, woman, and child would be slaughtered to where Israel no longer existed. That's the fucking difference. It's not the difference. You live, in, you live in your cush little home with your you know, multi-hundred thousand dollar salary, getting rich off of, your, off of your fucking insider trader information. And then you sit there on judgment and stand on high as if you're going to take the higher ground against people who live under threat of death every single day while you go to bed in your fancy fucking house or condo, living in the life of a king, eating at all the best restaurants. Probably in your silk fucking sheets and your silk underwear. Jake Trapper, you're a piece of shit. And Sullivan, Jesus. And get all those pieces of shits mixed up. It makes me angry. He doesn't have a clue. I don't claim I have a clue either, but I know he, for sure he doesn't. living the life of luxury, eating at all the best restaurants, going home to your family every night, never going to have to worry about, you know, some terrorist coming in and killing, well, first, before they kill you, raping your wife and your children in front of you, and then killing them before they kill you while you watched it all. No, you don't have to worry about that. But you can judge Israel from the podium at the White House. Piss off. Seriously. Piss right off. Then you have people like this. Who, I mean, Nikki Haley, the neocon, she never saw a war she didn't like, man. Her, Lindsey Graham, the whole ilk, the Cheney family, all of them. 
All they want is war. This is, I can't even believe that they're talking the way that they're talking. Yes, what is happening is despicable. It's horrific. It's something that should never, it's animalistic. It's demonic. But now to take it a step further, and yes, Iran's a piece of shit too. Don't get me wrong. I don't support Iran. But I certainly don't contone, you know, starting a global conflict with them. What are you going to do? You've got, you have, you have, so, so what are you going to do? So Hamas and Hezbollah, they're backed by the Republican Guard in Iran. Guess who Iran's allies are? Oh, I don't know. Russia, China, North Korea. So what are you going to do? Take the axis of evil, those people, and, and you're going to attack Iran, and then their, their allies are going to come in, and then the West all of a sudden is at war with the axis of evil, and we've got a world conflict going on with a potential of nuclear weapons flying around the fucking world. Are you kidding me? Do we support Israel? Absolutely. Every diplomatic means we can. If we can support them with arms, great. Although we have a president who has drained our strategic oil reserves and given all of our sur- all of our, our stores of ammunition and much of our weaponry, as well as what was in Israel, to Ukraine. Ah, oh, just in time for a war to spark off in the Middle East that threatens the, the, the oil supply from the Middle East. But I've gotten ahead of myself again. If you want to look at going to war with Iran right now, really the U.S. is not in a position to face a war on three fronts, let alone multiple fronts, because, and, and these people, they want it though. And they don't think the big picture through. We need to exert pressure. Iran should not get another penny. You don't give them $6 billion. You certainly don't give them any of their prisoners back. But I don't think that we're ready. I think we have our own issues here on our own border, which is going to be the next half of the show. But uh, Nikki Haley had this to say. Check it out. Why Ukraine needs us when Russia's doing this. That's why Israel needs us when Hamas and Iran are doing this. And I'll say this to, to Prime Minister Netanyahu. Finish them. Finish them. Hamas did this. You know Iran's behind it. Finish them. They should have hell to pay for what they've just done. Senator Lindsey Graham has said they'd make it clear to Iran. Yeah. Did he? Speaking of Lindsey Graham, what did Lindsey Graham say? Well, he said this. Well, for every Israeli or American hostage executed uh, by Hamas, we should uh, take down an Iranian oil refinery. The only way you're going to keep this war from escalating is to hold Iran accountable. How much more death and destruction do we have to take from the Iranian regime? I am confident this was planned and funded by the Iranians. Hamas is a bunch of animals uh, who deserve to be treated like animals. So if I was Israel, I would go in on the ground. There is no truce to be had here. I would dismantle Hamas. This is the best opportunity Israel has to destroy Hamas. Take it to the Iranians. 
If you harm one American in Syria by using your Iranian militia against us in Syria, if you escalate the war by urging Hezbollah to attack Israel in the north, if Hamas kills one American and Israeli hostage, we're going to blow up your oil refineries and put you out of business. It is now time to take the war to the Ayatollah's backyard. Uh, I disagree <laughs> with the war part. We can grind Iran to the ground through sanctions instead of loosening them up and allowing them to get away with what they've gotten with and giving them $6 billion and more. Talked about that yesterday. But to sit there and talk about, oh, man, we're just going to, you know, every time that uh, Hamas does something to a prisoner or to an innocent, we're going to just destroy one of their oil refineries. The United States is going to arbitrarily pray God and from on high, we're going to take out one of your refineries. And then what? Then they send their troops from Iraq and Iran down to finish off Israel. And then Israel maybe gets ticked off. And, and then maybe uh, Russia decides to extend a second front. Or, oh, maybe China takes over Taiwan at the same time while everybody else is busy. And then maybe Israel fills back into a corner and they lob a new cough. And then Russia lobs a new cough. And then pretty soon the U.S. lobs a new cough. I'm going to tell you something. And then, you, you know, oh, Dan, you're being, you're being an extremist. You're being an alarmist, man. There's not going to be nuclear war. You're crazy. Am I? You think so? Tell you what, I'm a child of the, of the 80s. So I was born in the late 60s. And uh, so I'm a child of the 80s. And so when I became, you know, aware you know, uh, mentally aware of politics and began to take notice of that thing. Uh, fortunately, we had Reagan in office. Reagan beat down the Soviet Union with strength, not through violence, but through strength. And the Soviet Union collapsed, so the Cold War was over. I didn't, I didn't ever have to live under the threat of nuclear annihilation. I never feared nuclear annihilation in my entire life until now. And for the first time in my life, it feels like there's a, a reality exists out there of a nuclear conflict, of, of small regional multiple small regional conflicts escalating into global conflicts that could result in the annihilation of mankind. And life as we know it could send the world back to the Stone Age. That's what it would do. You're not going to hide under a desk. You're not going to hide in a doorway. The electrical grid would be toast. Most coastal areas would be uninhabitable. And think about that. How would you live without electricity? How would you live without a cell phone? How would you live without being able to contact anybody? What's going on on the other side of the country? I don't know. There's no way to get information. 
what's going on on the other side of the state? I don't know. There's no way to get information. There is no news. There is no radio. There is no satellite. There is no cell phone. There is no communication. And there's no electricity. You see, because the EMPs, electromagnetic pulses, wiped all that out. Gone. What's going on in Europe? Who knows? Suddenly your world became very, very small if you survive. I don't know. Am I crazy? Something to think about. It's something to think about. Because you've got the families of war, like the Cheneys. Liz Cheney. Hamas murdered babies. They raped and murdered women. They slaughtered grandmothers and posted the murders on social media. Hamas must be destroyed and along with their terrorist masters in Tehran. There is no moral equivalency here. America stands with Israel. So apparently standing with Israel now means launching a war against Iran. And I talked about it yesterday. Iran wants that. The mother of all battles. Man, that's what they live for. That's what they want. Vivek Ramaswamy weighed in on it with Tucker Carlson. Let's see what he had to say about it. Check it out. I feel so sorry for the Israelis and for the Ukrainians, for that matter. I have no sympathy at all for our leaders. I think they're disgusting. So let me ask you just one last question. So Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, this Crenshaw guy, probably the entire leadership of the Republican Party is effectively calling for war with Iran, U.S. war with Iran. What would that mean, do you think? So I do not think that it is a good idea for us to enter war with Iran. I think it would be good, and the outcome that I expect is that Israel will be successful in defeating Hamas here, in protecting its own homeland. They've done it countless times before. I think they're going to do it again. I think it is appropriate for the U.S. to support Israel diplomatically at the U.N. when they're going to come after Israel or otherwise for the U.S. to take a strong stand in favor of an ally that has been good and can continue to be good to the U.S. And I think that limited military support as well without using ground troops on the ground, military support without ground troops, that makes sense. But I think for others who have refused to take the option of ground troops off the table or whatever, I think we're doing a disservice to everybody, especially here in the United States. And I do not think that right now, I mean, one of the things to remember, Tucker, is you know, people at domestic policy will say it's the economy stupid. Foreign policy, it's China stupid. That's really what we need yeah. to remember. Russia is being driven further into China's hands. Iran is backed by China economically as well. Sanctions and everything else, part of the reason why they haven't had the effect is that China's still got their back. And so right now, I mean, if you look at even the artillery shells that earlier this year, 300,000 to the tune of U.S. artillery shells stored in Israel that we encouraged to send to Ukraine, it's a zero-sum game. And so we're actually rolling out the red carpet, depleting multiple reserves between Ukraine and Israel. I think we are paving the red carpet for China to annex Taiwan while we still depend on Taiwan foremost for our modern way of life in a way that we don't for Ukraine or other conflicts that we're marching our way into. And yeah. Like I said, we depleted our strategic oil reserve. All of our extra shells, including what was in Israel, was sent to Ukraine. And we've left the door wide open for, for uh, China to go ahead and 
take Taiwan. The problem with that is, is, is Taiwan is, provides almost all of our semiconductors, which supports our entire Western way of life. I don't think a lot of people get that. Uh, this was another excerpt from that interview. Check it out. That's been wrong in the U.S. is we have a bad habit while we're bankrupt funding both sides of wars that should have been avoided in the first place. Look at the money that's indirectly found its way to Hamas, the $6 billion paid to Iran in the recent ransom. That was a disaster. Yet we're effectively now funding both sides of a war that we shouldn't have been in in the first place in places like Russia and Ukraine even. Think about how we hampered oil production in the United States and then now has funding, U.S. funding going to Ukraine in fighting back against Russia. Yeah, so what he's, what he's getting at there is that by, by Biden's war on the U.S. carbon industry and his war against fracking and against drilling and all of that, which made us more dependent on foreign oil, which drove up the global oil market, which Russia benefited from because they sell a lot of oil. So all of a sudden, their oil that was only worth $30, $40 a barrel is now worth $100 a barrel, and they're selling it like crazy to China and to parts of Europe. So we've funded Russia to fight Ukraine, and then we're funding Ukraine to defend themselves. And the same thing's happening down in Israel, where we fund Israel hugely militarily every single year. But at the same time, we've also relieved sanctions on Iran and given Iran money that they in turn use to fund terrorist operations. And they know that that's what the money is going to be used for. So here you have a government that's funding both sides of two different wars right now, amongst others. And you have to ask yourself why? Well, it's obviously the money, right? So obviously in the end, it's about money. Don Sharp Jr. tweeted this. Hearing that Dems are working with Rhino GOP leaders to tie any new Israel or aid to Israel to more Ukraine funding. Instead of just helping Israel after these barbaric attacks, they're going to try to use, again, fighting both sides of the war. So if you want money for Israel, you also need to give more money to Ukraine. And by the way, Zelensky's feeling a little left out. He, uh, he, <laughs> he's trying to blame Russia. He says that, that the Hamas attack on Israel uh, is because of Russia. And this was put, uh, this was put beautifully by uh, Chris Burnett because Zelensky is just whining and, and I put out a meme that was pretty funny. I should, should have probably put this up on the show too, but anyway, you can follow, find it on my socials. Uh, blaming Russia for the Israeli situation uh, sounds like a jilted ex-girlfriend who texts you crazy shit just to get a morsel more attention or it sounds like someone who's trying to start World War Three. See, a lot of these people want World War Three. More from the uh, Vivek and, and uh, Tucker Carlson interview. Real short here. Check it out. Ask the question of right and wrong, then open that Pandora's box. I don't favor doing this, but look at what's happening with Azerbaijan and Armenia. You don't really hear much about that. No, now. you don't. Why? Because Azerbaijan's lobby is about as effective as Ukraine's is. Listen in to Washington, this. Washington, D.C. So 
this selective moral outrage. I, I do think may, is may a ask problem. you to pause. May I ask you to pause for just one moment yeah. there and just unpack that for viewers who are not aware of what you're referring to? Armenia, Azerbaijan. What is happening? Yeah. So. I mean, what's happening is an atrocity. I mean, you have a people who are Armenians, largely Christians, six-figure numbers, 100, 120,000, being driven back to their country from a region that has long been a place they have called home. A lot of atrocities that aren't even yet coming to light in Western media. But Azerbaijan has a lobby, a powerful lobby in Washington, D.C. And I think a big part of what's wrong in the United States today, Tucker, and I don't mean to toot my own horn, but it's why I'm coming in as an outsider to this nonsense, is you have a system that is bought and paid for, both for the people who run on the Democratic ticket, people who run on the Republican ticket, and people who make those decisions in Washington, D.C. that are effectively managed by, in this case, the Azerbaijan lobby that has a lid on discussing this conflict, which, as you pointed out, most Americans haven't heard of. But you'll hear endlessly about Russia's incursion on Ukraine and having to stand on the right side. That's a separate point where I reject that Ukraine is inherently good anyway. But even if it were, a selective moral outrage in that case, but not another one in just a neighboring area that interfaces with Russia as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a conflict you're going to hear more about going forward. And then one last clip from the interview. Check it out. Alone among candidates running for the... Oh, not that one. We're not going to do that one. So moving along now. Uh, so you have... So that's Vivek. I mean, he... He laid it out pretty good. I like what he has to say. I know a lot of you say, oh, Dan, Trump's the only one. Trump's the only one. Back the fuck off. I support Trump. I plan on voting for him. That doesn't mean I can't appreciate someone else's ideas. Notice how Donald Trump never says anything negative about Vivek. And vice versa, Vivek never says anything bad about Trump. Why do you think that is? Try to use some critical thought here because they both say negative things about all the other candidates, but neither one of them says anything negative about the other. So if you're a Trump supporter, then that should be a signal to you that Trump's is okay with Vivek. That there, there are things that we don't know about. I believe there are things we don't know about that Trump is not saying anything bad about Vivek. Vivek's not saying anything bad about Trump. Put two and two together. I would like to think that most people who listen to this show have enough critical thought process to come to a conclusion on that. I've come to a conclusion on it. I have theories. I'm going to go into those. This is not the show to do it in. But I'm going to leave you with that little thought that there's more to it than than most things. So don't 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 discount Vivek's role in what is going on with the America First movement and with even with Donald Trump's campaign in particular. MSNBC has become the apologist, of course, for for Hamas, and they they come out over and over again. They're blaming the U.S. They're blaming Israel. They're blaming you know, the occupation and all this, and they just put this bullshit out. I think all the way around. I hope that uh, everyone is talking to everyone. Yes, diplomacy has a huge role, and I was heartened to see that not only is President Biden calling uh, 
Prime Minister Netanyahu, but there were conversations going on with all the Gulf neighbors. There was a good idea, I think, uh, which was a peace agreement among the, the Sunni Arabs, an expanded peace agreement, and Israel with the provision, with the provision that there would be steps forward for a Palestinian state. They have to be factored in, too. So No. No. See, this is where... That's old thinking. That is old stinking thinking. That is a type of thinking that has resulted in no peace agreements at all until the Trump administration came in and Jared Kushner negotiated the Abraham Accords because he went out a different way. He separated. All right, we've got to, we've been talking forever that the, the Israel conflict needs to include land for the Palestinians and for Decades, that mindset and process has accomplished exactly nothing. So Kushner went in and talked with them. He said, look, let's normalize relations with Israel first and separate from the Palestinian issue. Because if you normalize relations first, then that opens up lines of communications to then, perhaps at a later time, discuss the Palestinian issue. And you know what? It worked. He got everybody on board. He almost had Saudi Arabia on board that close. And if Trump had gotten his second term, if he would have been in the Oval Office as he should have rightfully been after the 2020 election, There would be peace in the Middle East right now. Saudi Arabia would have signed on to the Abraham Accords and they'd probably be having real discussions with the Palestinians about having their own land. But no, we went down another path. We went down the Joe Biden path. And, uh, and we, see what that's, we see what that's done, right? I hope that everybody recognizes what has happened. Speaking of Joe Biden, and this is what's scary. He doesn't even know what war he's in. We have two. Imagine now if we had a third war. Imagine if, if China uh, decides to take over Taiwan. Then we've got three international issues that we'd be juggling. Instead of just two. Biden reportedly can't even keep two of them straight. Jack Posobiec reported. There is a way out of this, and it's not Joe Biden, who, by the way, White House staffers are now reporting that Joe Biden is mixing up the wars in briefings, that he keeps bringing up Ukraine when they're talking about Israel. No war with Iran. No U.S. military strikes on Tehran. No U.S. sons and daughters going off to die for their wars. I won't have it, and I'm not going to let it take place. Hamas, wipe those inhuman scum off the face of the planet. Israel doesn't need, but see, Biden can't even keep the two wars straight. He doesn't know whether he's talking about Ukraine or Israel when he's in the meetings. Israel doesn't need our help. Israel has defended themselves very successfully multiple times in the past. And they haven't always looked good doing it, and they might not look good this time, but they're going to take care of business. Everyone else, stay out of it. Let them fight their battle. We're not going to go bombing Tehran. We don't, need enough, we don't need to get directly involved in anything. Apparently, we're sending a second strike group 
To the Mediterranean, though, another aircraft carrier strike group is being reported, is heading out there. Unbelievable. Joe Biden, after being missing for, you know, where's Joe? After 72 hours, you know, so this happened. He came out and made a statement that morning, and then that was it. Then you didn't hear from Joe. What ha- where's Joe? He finally comes out today. He makes a prepared statement. He makes prepared, prepared remarks. And then shuffles off without taking a single question from the press after being missing in action for almost three days. And then he does this. Let's make no mistake. Thank you. Mr. President, what was your reaction? Gotta poop my pants. These people think they're dictators. They think they're not answerable to the American people. They think they don't have to answer questions if they don't want to. They don't need to tell you the truth. They don't need to tell you what's going on. They don't even need to represent your interests because after all, they know what's better for you than you do. All right, I'm way over. This show's going to go over. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, Black Lives Matter came out with a statement. They said, Black Lives Matter grassroots stands in solidarity with our Palestinian family who are currently resisting 57 years of settler colonialism and apartheid as black people continue to fight to end militarism and mass incarceration in our own communities. Let us understand the resistance in Palestine is an attempt to tear down the gates of world's largest open-air prison. As a radical black organization grounded in abolitionist ideals, we see clear parallels between black and Palestinian people. Please go away. Please? (laughs) Really? Yeah, because black people in the United States are so oppressed. Give me a fucking break. Stop being the victim. All right, we're going to move on to the southern border now. I got a lot to say about that, and it involves also terrorism because there's lots of terrorism that's coming along our southern border. And uh, I'm going to lead it off with another quip from uh, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who who had this to say, and I think there's a lot to it. Check it out. Fifty times the number of people who died on 9-11 are going to die this year as a consequence of fentanyl just crossing our southern border. A couple days ago, I was actually at our northern border in the northern part of New Hampshire, Totally wide open border. I mean, to call this porous is an overstatement. It's just an open border. And there was enough fentanyl that crossed just last year, 2022, to kill three plus million Americans. That was just the amount that was caught, let alone the amount that wasn't. And so this is the product of intentional design. People will say, is that because of a drug epidemic in demand? You know, that's a separate debate. But a lot of that fentanyl is being laced into People who are taking it have no idea that they're taking fentanyl, taking other drugs that have fentanyl in it that's killing them on the spot. That's closer to bioterrorism. Nobody would call it an overdose if you put it in a Big Mac. That's true. So you have all this fentanyl coming across the border, and that's just one aspect of it. Another thing that you have coming across the border that's killing uh, right now actually is killing some Americans and destroying families, and that is the... Uh, the criminal element and the terrorist element that is flooding across our border because the Biden regime refuses to seal the border. They refuse to properly vet people. They refuse to use the immigration processes that are in laws that are already in place. And they perverted all of them so that basically 100% of the people who want to come here, regardless of where they're coming from, are going to get asylum. 
And the, the countries that these people are coming from, oh, well, just in the Del Rio sector, they're coming from, uh, they're coming from, from Kenya, uh, the Philippines, Pakistan, Iran, Nigeria, Iraq, Syria, Turkey, Turkmenistan, Uganda, Ukraine, Uzbekistan, Yemen. These are just some of the terrorist countries that are coming across the border on our southern border. And when you look at who's coming across, who's coming across? Mostly military age males. When you look at the lineups over and over again, yes, they separate the, the females and the children from the males when they come to the border. But even if you look at it before they separate them, the majority of the people coming across are military age men. Why are they coming here? And where are they going? And where, more importantly, where are they from? What are their intentions? We don't know. We have no idea who's coming into this country because they've completely gotten rid of the vetting process. They've completely destroyed our immigration process. And here's some of the numbers. The story that's happening on the southern border, and this is a stunning thing. You have to pay attention to it. All right. And you're going to see an obvious trend here. These are the suspected terrorists arrested at the southern border. Back in 2019, you're at Gooseg, you're at zero. You moved to three in 2020, it's 15 in 2021, 98 last year, and so far this year, year to date, 151. The pattern's obvious down there in the southern. So about a third more than that. It's very consistent. About 30% more than what's recorded are what they call gotaways. These are people who come to this country we, that are, are there, and they can count it because they see them on surveillance cameras and they have, so they know how many, about pretty closely, how many people came across that did not go through the process of, of the border patrol. And they're evading it on purpose. And, and it's consistently about 30% more. So if a million people came in and were counted, even though they were all illegal too, another 300,000 came in that were not counted. Think of that. Think of that. So how many of those are terrorists? How many terrorist cells are in our cities right now? How many people that want to do harm against Americans in the same way that you saw Hamas do harm against civilians in Israel exist in this country right now that are just waiting for their marching orders? It's quite possible. You don't think it's possible? If you don't think it's possible, you're just fucking stupid. It's very possible, in fact, very likely that right now there are cells that want to do harm to America and cause terror in America, and they're going to do it in shopping malls, in movie theaters, in downtown districts, in neighborhoods, by killing innocent civilians, raping women, killing children. You ain't seen nothing yet. Be prepared. Always be aware of your surroundings. Always know what's going on. So in addition to the, to the people that are caught on the terrorist watch list, and they like to say that, oh, look how many people we've caught. Yeah, because you're letting millions of more people in than there used to be. And that means that there are some bad terrorist people on terrorist watch lists that are getting through. There's a whole other category of people, though, that's even more scary. And that's the special interest aliens or SIAs, 61,000 special interest aliens entered the U.S. through Biden's open border in 2023, says Department of Homeland Security. This is, this is a government statistic. DHS said this. 
What's a special interest alien, Dan? What, what is that? These are people who come from countries and have travel patterns that match those of terrorists. So they come from countries that terrorists come from, and they have travel patterns that match those of terrorists. That makes them special interest. I would think it would. According to a Department of Homeland Security report reviewed by Breitbart, Texas, 61,471 migrants from special interest countries entered the United States in fiscal year 2023. According to the source with CBP, most of the migrants, mainly single adult males, from countries subject to travel warnings by the U.S. State Department due to terrorism, we're releasing the United States to pursue asylum claims. Now, so they let them in. Here's your, here's your uh, court date uh, five years from now. Where do you want to go? Oh, I'd like to go to New York City. Okay, to New York you go. You think they're coming back for their asylum hearing? The number of migrants from special interest countries climbed by more than 140%. From fiscal year 2022, when Border Patrol agents encountered more than 25,500 special interest migrants across the southern border, in all, more than 86,000 special interest aliens made the crossing into the U.S. in two years. 86,000. The article continues, according to 2019 DHS fact sheet, the term significant interest alien is defined as, and this is what I spoke of earlier, Generally, an SIA is a non-U.S. person who, based on an analysis of travel patterns, potentially poses a national security risk to the United States or its interests. Often, such individuals or groups are employing travel patterns known or evaluated to possibly have a nexus to terrorism. So people who are from terrorist countries who act like terrorists and pose a potential national security risk to the United States. You got everyone following? Everyone tracking here? DHS analysis includes an examination of travel patterns, points of origin, and or travel segments that are tied to current assessments of national and international threat environments. Hope you're following me. Hope this concerns you. Well, what, what countries are we talking about, Dan? What, what uh, you know, these special interest uh, aliens that are coming across that, that are from so-called terrorist countries, um, where are they coming from? Because that'd be a good thing to know, right? Well, I don't know. Let's check it out right here because here's a pretty good clip on it right here. This is a, a segment on, on Fox. It, it's been, and so what? You know, if the information is accurate, it doesn't matter where it came from. Check it out. Tell you for over two years now, Border Patrol agents have been telling us they've got extreme concerns about who is crossing our southern border, primarily because so many agents have been pulled off the front lines to instead focus on processing and that then leaves gaps in our border where we simply have nobody out on patrol and the numbers are startling we'll start with the terror watch list numbers fiscal year 2023 so far 151 people on the fbi's terror watch list have been arrested by border patrol agents while they were crossing illegally here at our southern border that is the highest number on record it's also higher than the previous six years combined the highest number under trump was six we got 151 this year so far. Now, the Biden administration says, well, that shows they're catching more people, right? 
Not exactly. We'll talk about the gotaways. CBP sources telling us since President Biden took office, there have been well over 1.5 million known gotaways at our southern border. These are illegal immigrants who are crossing the border and are seen on cameras or sensors, but Border Patrol doesn't have the manpower to get to them, so they successfully get into the United States without capture. For perspective, that is a population size bigger than the city of Dallas, Texas, that has successfully snuck across our border and gotten into the United States without apprehension. It's enough people to fill up 16 Rose Bowls in Pasadena, California. We also got some brand new internal CBP data leaked to us this morning from CBP sources. If we can pull this graphic up, uh, this data showing that thousands of so-called special interest aliens have been arrested by Border Patrol while crossing at our southern border illegally over the last two years. These special interest countries are what the federal government determines countries or, or uh, conditions that favor terrorism or could potentially pose a threat to the United States. But you can see these countries, thousands from Afghanistan, more than 600 from Iran, more than 160 from Lebanon, the home of Hezbollah, more than 500 people from Syria, the home of ISIS, more than 130 from Yemen, home of the Houthi rebels. And former Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott, who served under both President Trump and President Biden says when Border Patrol agents encounter these people, they basically have no way of knowing who they are. Take a listen. An open border allowing anybody to come in is a national security threat. This administration keeps wanting to talk about we're vetting people coming in. That's just simply not true. We have very little information on the, the people across this entire globe. And to elaborate on that point, Border Patrol sources tell us that they simply have little to zero way of vetting these people from these so-called special interest countries. I'm told unless they've got a criminal record. In so there you go. And that, that was a long clip, longer than I usually play, but it is good information. And I think that people need to know this. I don't think a lot of people understand what special interest aliens are. They understand the terror watch list people and all of that. So to, to recap there, 1.5 million 1.5 million special interest aliens have come into this country without being vetted at all. Okay? Or the gotaways, 1.5 million gotaways, I'm sorry. And they, they know for sure 85,000 special interests have been allowed to come into the country. So out of those 1.5 million gotaways that have come into the country, how many do you think are either one terrorist and on the terrorist watch list or two special interest aliens that are potentially terrorists that want to, to cause harm to the United States and threaten our national security out of 1.5 million. There's got to be some, right? Especially since they were trying to evade processing. They're not trying to evade processing because they just don't like being processed. I mean, that, you get processed, you get a free cell phone, you get travel about the country, paid for around the U.S. tax dollar to wherever you want. So they're avoiding it for a reason. And, uh, and again, so you know, potentially, how, how many terrorists are in this country right now that have come across since Joe Biden took office? Hundreds? Thousands? Tens? Maybe even... Hundreds of thousands of people have entered this country that want to do harm to us, to our way of life, because we're the great Satan. 
I don't know. We, I know the number's not zero. I do know that. And so I'd bring you back. Well, actually, first, first let, let's take a look at this real quick. So there's, a, there's another little thing that's going on. Listen to this, cause, and, and, then, and then research it. I did, I'm still digging into it, but you need to dig into it too. So. States, Unit 910, Google my name, Todd Benzman, and Unit 910. Unit 910. And you'll see all of my reports on, on that. They are clandestine agents in American cities armed to the teeth with target lists already drawn up waiting for orders from, from Tehran. Uh, if things really blow on the northern wow. border in Israel and we help, uh, watch out for Unit 910. And I don't want to hear any claims from the Biden. Or- yeah. Right. I mean, wait till they figure out all they have to do is storm the border. I mean, I've shown this video before. This is in El Paso. Oh, all we have to do is enough of us run across at the same time and we're all going to make it. And Border Patrol has, they can't do anything. They just stand by and watch it happen. It's not just those. U.S. experienced a 6,000% increase in border crossings by migrants from Islamic Republic of Marijuana. Now, not Mar- Mar- not Marijuana. Okay, don't get confused now. Marijuana or Tanya. Jeez. Man, so many different languages going on here. I am not multilingual, so I get a little confused sometimes. Well, what, what is this? Where is this country? I don't know, but apparently they're all Islamic. And as I talked about earlier, if you're Islamic and, and Muslim and you're not denouncing the radicalism of what is claiming your faith, then you are complicit. If you're not willing to speak out and stand up against the radicalism within your faith, then my only assumption is that you support it, but you just do it silently. As Brightville, Texas observed the Arizona border this week, migrant groups continued to cross into the United States from a host of countries, including some considered by the DHS to be of special interest due to the prevalence of terrorism in that country or hostility toward the United States, according to CBP's report reviewed by Breitbart, Texas, the arrest of migrants from the Islamic Republic of, let me try this, Mauritania and Egypt at the southwest border rose by as much as 6,000% compared to 2022. Nearly 14,000 citizens of the Islamic Republic of M were apprehended by border patrol agents at the U.S.-Mexico border this fiscal year in 2022. During the same time frame, only 228 encounters. So from 228 to 14,000, hmm, wonder why the increase so much. And they're coming from a radical terrorist Islamic nation. The article continues, in a, in a July U.S. State Department uh, I'm so sorry, I can't say this name. I'm, that's my bad. I should, have, I should have prepared for that a little better. Maritania is considered unsafe and warns U.S. citizens to reconsider travel there due to crime and terrorism. The State Department offers the following summary within the warning. Violent crimes such as mugging, armed robbery, and assault are common. Local police lack the resources to respond effectively to serious crimes. Terrorists may attack with little or no warning, targeting places frequented by Westerners. You see, they hate us. They think we need to be wiped off the map. So I would, I would leave you with this. Actually, one more. Cash Patel was on with Steve Bannon in the war room 
I'm going to play this one cl last clip. This is this has gone way over. Probably one of my longest shows, maybe the longest show ever. I'm going to play this one last clip because I think it's important, and then I have some parting comments, of course, like I always do. So please stay around for those. Check it out. They detected that two dozen known terrorist affiliates had illegally crossed into the country from the southern border. And here's the scarier part. They don't know where they are today. That is who they know they missed. So the question you have to ask, Steve, is how many hundreds, if not thousands, of cartel members and terrorists and terrorist allies and CCP affiliates infiltrated through the southern border because they're coming in at the rate of, what, 21,000 a month that the U.S. does not know about. And Joe Biden wants to give them ID cards so they can come in. 21,000 a month, we had 260,000. Sorry. Oh, yeah, no, 260,000. Yeah, that would be 26 combat divisions of what yeah. we know. There's another 100,000, another 10 combat divisions of Godaways. The, the scale of this. So can, think about this. You have, uh, and, and, and think about this in the context of what's going on right now in Israel with Hamas doing the atrocities that they did, the rape and torture and slaughter of innocent civilians, including women and children, in their homes. And what's going on there? Now, imagine that here, because they brought up Cash Patel and, and Steve Bannon brought up battalions. So, so think think about think about it in this context. You think one mass shooter is bad? One mass shooter with a with a semi-automatic AR, meaning semi-automatic, like any other rifle, like any other firearm in the U.S. You pull the trigger once, it fires one bullet. It will only fire as fast as you can pull or press the trigger. I use pull because that's what most people understand. And now imagine, rather than just one person with a semi-automatic, imagine a platoon, which is about 30 people or so, with fully automatic weapons going into a populated area, a mall, a theater, a school, a neighborhood, a grocery store, taking over areas. It's enough people to, to take over an area and hold it for a while. See, so people don't care if they die eventually, as long as they do a lot of damage in the process. Are we prepared to see that in the United States? Because, because that's the reality of it. That's the reality of our open border. That's the reality of the Biden regime's policies. They have blood on their hands in Ukraine. They have blood on their hands in Israel. And soon they will have blood on their hands right here in the United States, I fear. So if you're, if you're not prepared for that, you should get prepared. I don't know if anybody could be mentally prepared for that sort of, because we're spoiled here in the U.S. We are, we are basically a complacent, lazy population. We've become that way through our, you know, through our success as a nation in a relatively short period of time, 250-some years. Greatest power, greatest empire ever to exist in the history of the world. And we've become soft. We've become complacent. We've become spoiled. 
We're not used to seeing what goes on in a lot of parts of the world. The mayhem, the atrocities, the horrors. How about suicide vests? Hmm. Imagine that. Imagine a coordinated attack amongst, uh, well, let's just say, let's keep it conservative. Let's say 10 cells across the, the country all at the same time decide to spark off a bunch of suicide bombers and, and platoons of soldiers armed with automatic weapons, not semi-automatic. How many people would they kill? And how much fear would that instill in the American population? That's what terrorism is. It's about making it unpredictable, making it hit home, making it as cruel and brutal as possible. That's terrorism. So anyway, keep your powder dry. Keep your head on a swivel. Make sure you're aware of your surroundings and your situation at all times. And, uh, you know, we talked about the, you know, a, a possible nuclear strike, which would cost a, a, an electromagnetic pulse. Call me a conspiracy theorist. I don't really care. Or if it's just as simple as protecting your household and your family and your property from radicals that might want to do you harm. Either way. You got to be prepared. What if, what if martial laws is brought up at some point? What if for some reason you can't go to the grocery store or whatever? You know, have yourself an emergency food supply. Professionals recommend three months. Drinking water. A way to cook your food if there's no power. There's all kinds of resources out there. Trust me. Once you dive down that rabbit hole, you might not ever get out. Anyway, um, make, sure you're, make sure you're ready. Make sure you're prepared. Make sure... You keep you and yours in mind and have a plan. Those without a plan will suffer. Those with a plan have a better chance. Period. Just a better chance, okay? Anyway, hey, thanks for watching. If you've just been listening on their uh, podcast channels or renegaderadio.com, make sure to check me out on thenunreport.com slash thenunreport. You can see all the videos up here. I use a lot of them today. This is by far my longest episode ever. So there was, because there's just a lot of material to cover and I'm, and I'm glad that I stuck with it. I hope that you stuck with me. You can catch me on all the socials at the Nun Report or, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Except TikTok, because I don't do that comedy BS. And on Twitter, because there I lost the. So at Nun Report on Twitter, or just go to my website at nunreport.com. Anyway, hey, thanks again for watching. And as always, until next time, may the odds be ever in your favor. Cheers. <laughs>